It's always hard to preach on the great days and seasons because I'm so grateful to be part of a, a liturgical church where the pastor doesn't have to make it up every time he's here. Uh, and it seems to me that the Ash Wednesday liturgy is self-explanatory in many ways. And yet, you know, in the rubrics of the Book of Common Prayer, which are these little italicized directions, in this particular case, it doesn't say, uh, here a sermon may be preached. It says, after the sermon, da-da, happens. So it presupposes that there's going to be a sermon. The uh, Ash Wednesday begins the great 40 days of Lent. It's a very solemn and holy time. And there are certain predicates that on Ash Wednesday we have established, certain recurring themes that are part of what we will celebrate, what we'll read about in the biblical witness, and what the liturgy will give up to us in the psalmody and in the hymns and so forth uh, through the season of Lent. And these three themes are given to us in the three readings today. From the book of Joel, repentance. From Second Corinthians, reconciliation. And from the gospel according to St. Matthew, the importance of clean motives. So that's what I'm going to preach about sort of in order, some idea of what those things might mean. Repentance in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, means uh, the, the Greek words that are used for repentance mean to turn around, to look at your life in a new way. The most frequently used word in the Greek New Testament for repentance you've heard or preachers talk about it a lot, metanoia which means to look at your life in a new way, to turn around and to look at things. There's another word that is used in the New Testament for repentance, not as frequently, and that is epistrophe. And that also means to turn around, but here's the difference, and here's why it's important for the season of Lent. Metanoia has to do with how the soul comes to terms in their emotional, spiritual, and mental states with God's will and purpose for them, how in their own self-examination they, they believe that they need to begin to change direction. Father Thomas Keating says in Open Heart, Open Mind, the contemplative dimension of the gospel, that repentance is changing the direction where you look for happiness. Metanoia is about those internal processes. So is epistrophe, but the difference between the words in terms of how they're used is that epistrophe has something to do with how you take this internal resolve, how you take this, inter this desire to in some way um, improve your emotional, spiritual, and mental states and put it in your hands and see that it has real meaning and effect in relationship. You know, you and I receive healing and and, and wholeness through the process of interacting with other people, through the process of, of uh, sharing our experience, strength, and hope. And so by virtue of doing that, there's a way in which we come to this transformation that pro God promises to each one of us who is faithful. So repentance isn't just merely getting into some sort of catastrophic endless loop of guilt and oh I'll be okay and please don't hurt me 
to beginning to think that somehow you cooperate with the divine initiative that has been begun in you at your baptism. So repentance will permeate the entire season of Lent as we move forward in the readings and in our liturgical life together. I have no idea why the revised common lectionary in the second reading that we read from 2 Corinthians uh, takes out the first sentence of this reading. It is one of my favorite lines in the whole New Testament. We are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. So what flows in the rest of this wonderful reading about be reconciled to God, be reconciled to one another, flows from the idea that each one of us has a role to play in God's plan for the cosmos in big and small ways. You count. It's important who you are and what you do. And remember the default position we operate under is that God unconditionally loves, accepts, and forgives us. So when we think about being an ambassador for Christ, that means in some way we need to be ministers of reconciliation. On page 855 of the Book of Common Prayer, in the Catechism it says, What is the mission of the church? What is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. So when we think about a season of self-reflection and examination, it's an undertaking, by the way, that is both corporate and personal, that somehow we have some role to play in bringing a sense of reconciliation to the world, making a world where it is easier for people to be good, and that you and I should be invested in that as Christian people. And so the idea of reconciliation looms large also in the season of Lent. In the Gospel from Matthew, I've mentioned this before, Math, the Jesus in Matthew's gospel, perhaps more than any of the other gospels, seems to be concerned about our interior emotional, spiritual, and mental states, or to put it another way, he's very concerned about our motives, and whether our motives are corrupt or not. And so today he is talking about something to do with the letter and the spirit, and how we put those two things together. Let me say before I always need to say this or feel the need. Uh, here's, a, here's the savior of the world telling everybody not to disfigure their faces like the hypocrites do uh, in public. And in a few minutes, I'm going to invite those of you who want to, to come forward and to have ashes put on your forehead. <laughs> Now, first of all, you need to know that ashes are not, for Christian people, a sign of fasting. Uh, Ash Wednesday is one of the two major fast days in the Episcopal Church. Some of you may say, I didn't know we had those. Yes, we do. Uh, today is one of them, and Good Friday is the other one. But the ashes are a sign of repentance. 
that you intend today to begin to take this season seriously moving forward and that you're going to do that uh, using all of the vocabulary that the liturgy gives to us about the process of being faithful in this regard. So here's my own point of view about this. I don't think there's anybody in this church, including the clergy present, moi, who are in any danger of an overweening public piety. Right? We, we, we're actually been, we're pretty good about hiding that light under the bushel, I think. Now, if you're going to walk across the Surla's table, if it's still open and go like this to people after you've come to the liturgy here, maybe you need to wash it off and, uh, you know, get clear about why we're, we're doing this sort of thing. But I think what Jesus means has something to do with the issue of the difference between the letter and the spirit. The season of Lent, the whole idea of letter and spirit, has something to do, as Father Keating says again, with how you and I cope with what he calls our irrational programs for happiness. And he says they center around three areas. Security and survival, affection and esteem, and power and control. Now, what he means here is that we shouldn't, it not that we shouldn't engage in any of these things. All human beings must do this for their emotional, spiritual, and mental health. But you and I know that it's very easy to get off the rails when these things get out of whack. Being overly fearful about the future, all of the things that have to do with our security and survival can get us into a hamster wheel that drives us crazy. You know, people who want to be told, you know, that we all know the people who are the what have you done for me lately gang, right? They seem to need it. And it's important on one level to remember that the whole world revolves around strokes. It's good for us to uh, compliment one another and to be affirming to people. But at the same time, it's also important for us to build the interior stamina and self-regulation that will permit us to meet the challenges and the opportunities that are in front of us and to assist in relationship others who stumble and bring them back into some sense of equilibrium. Power and control is important, too. You need to know what it is uh, you have to do and to use the authority vested in you in big and small ways for godly purposes. But remember the default position. In fact, it's not a default position. It's just the way it is. And that is you and I are powerless over people, places, and things. We have no control over that. None. We are not omniscient, omnipotent, and immortal. It just is like the raspberry seed in my wisdom tooth. Don't you think that that's the case? So all of us wish that we were omnipotent, omniscient, and immortal in some fashion, or we're sort of uh, able to do this, to will change in other people. Can't do it. So Lent is the time when we uh, own that and realize that when we acknowledge it, we become enormously powerful.
and enormously able to uh, have some real direction in our own life and in our own relationships. So as you begin the great 40 days of Lent, think about the constancy of God's presence. We're going to read uh, biblical lessons about God's faithfulness, God's steadfastness, even in the midst of people who turn away. And God is always there for us. God unconditionally accepts, loves, and forgives us. And that's the starting place. We also all need to know that uh, we need to operate with fewer corrupt motives. And Lent is the time when we operate, uh, or at least ask God to help us with this great difficulty often. When you read Psalm 51 in a few minutes, think about that, because that's what the psalmist is saying uh, about uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God coming in an inward way to enlighten and strengthen you. Give thanks for the opportunity to uh, keep a holy Lent. Amen. Amen.